Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see you. So glad that you were joining us. Are you glad to be here? That's good. That's good. Some of you are not sure. That's fine. Uh, if you're joining us with us online, we're so glad that you're joining with us as well. Um, let's go on a journey together, shall we? Everybody up for that? Good for that? Go on a little journey. Let's go on a journey to your deepest pain. No one wants to do that, right? Okay, let's, let's just imagine it. If we were to do that. Go on a journey to your deepest pain. What would we find? What would be the end destination? Uh, if it were for me, uh, I would express or show uh, this deep pain of abandonment. Um, and I realized lately that that deep pain of abandonment, uh, there's, you know, if, depending on what your fear is or your pain, did you notice that there's always a person behind the pain? Someone who allowed it to happen, someone who caused it or someone who ignored it. Um, the, the, the fear of abandonment or whatever it is for you will impact your relationships today. Uh, for me, you know, in ministry, the fear of abandonment, that's hilarious. Terrible, right? Uh, because why? Because you can invest your life into someone and uh, build a relationship with them. And in ministry, uh, oftentimes some of the weirdest things would cause someone to skedaddle on out, right? You've seen that happen. Uh, for, for any of us, we have different fears, and it impacts our relationships, at least for me. Um, I can only share my own experiences because that's what I've got to choose from. And, and that causes me to um, hold back in some relationships. Because if I don't let you in, then you can't hurt me as deeply, right? Um, we have a saying around here at FCC that we are better together. Life is better together. Uh, it's easy for us to say that. And in fact, let's go ahead and say that together, church, even if you're at home. Uh, one, two, three, we are better together. It's easy to say that, but uh, have you noticed in life that sometimes life is better together? But have you ever thought, like, really, is it? Is it? Is it? I mean, if you look at relationships and if behind every pain is a person, then is life really at its own, like, at the, at the ground level, is it better together? I don't know about you, but there's been times, and, and probably for all of us, where we've had moments where we thought that uh, pushing people out was a little bit easier to do and easier to deal with and less stressful than it was to actually be in relationship with them. You ever found that to be true? Like some of us, we try to isolate and uh, while a lot of times, if we do that, it's easier and less stressful. It's never better. It's never better. Because we were made to need relationships. We need each other. And life is uh, better together. But that doesn't mean it's easier. <laughs> because behind every pain is a person. And every person sometimes is hurt. And sometimes hurt people hurt people. Right? But what if we would, would be the people, the church, right, who wouldn't just say we're better together, but what if we actually lived that way? What if we could do better together better? What if we really could believe that we are better when we're together 
And I think God is going to show us today what it would look like to be better together, better. Anybody up for that? So, well, let's, let's go ahead and jump in. So, uh, Jesus, he, uh, on, on night he was betrayed, he got arrested, he got beaten, and then eventually on Friday he was crucified. He was dead. And it was a crazy weekend because on Sunday he rose again. He rose again and he was alive and then he started to visit hundreds of people and showing them that he is in fact alive. And he, and the disciples started to understand like, oh, when he was saying that he was going to go suffer and die and then rise again, uh, he start, they, they started to like get it that, oh, he actually did mean that he wasn't just being metaphorical. He was actually being truthful and totally plain to them. And, and so he started doing that and they started to get empowered and emboldened that, Hey, uh, this is our, my faith is not just on uh, what I believe, but it's on what I know to be true because I see this man, he's risen from the grave and he is right here in front of me. And before Jesus ascends to the throne in heaven, he tells them, hey, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to go out and tell people about me. But before you do, you need to wait because the Holy Spirit is going to descend upon you. And when he does, you'll know exactly what to do. In that moment. So Jesus ascends to the, to the throne in heaven, right? He's sitting right on the right hand of the, the Father. And he says, Hey, Heavenly Dad, what's up, man? I did it. I did it. I'm going to sit down. My work is done. Let's send the Spirit. And once again, the triune God comes down. And in that moment, uh, in Jerusalem, a bunch of Jewish people were there from all over the place because they were celebrating what's called the Feast of Weeks. Uh, see, God wants his people to celebrate things. Do you know that it's good to celebrate what God has done? It's like good to party. God likes to party. Did you know that? He, Jesus even said when one person, when one person comes to surrender to him, there's a party in heaven. There's celebration. That's good. And so they're in Jerusalem and they're hanging out and they're celebrating, going through the Feast of Weeks. And uh, the, the apostles have the Holy Spirit descend upon them. And then they start speaking uh, the gospel about Jesus in these people's own native languages. So these people who are from all kinds of places start to hear these unschooled, ordinary dudes start speaking in their own language. Like they didn't download an app for that to, to learn those languages. They just, the Holy Spirit spoke through them. And then Peter starts to preach a sermon and 3,000 people surrendered to Jesus, were repented, and they were baptized. That was a good sermon put in the archives. I think that's just amazing, right? And then the church in that moment on the day of Pentecost is birthed. They are alive. The church, God's family is now here. And what do they do? They start gathering together. They're meeting in each other's homes. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're praying together. They're breaking bread together. They're eating together. They're living life among each other and they're sharing each other in their in their each other's burdens they're giving their their own resources to each other to help each other and they're living life better together they are really living that out and if you're in a community group this week uh you are going to be working through that passage in acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 so if you want to read ahead you can now you have the scripture go ahead and do it but Paul later, he's writing to another church in Rome because eventually the Christians are now spreading the gospel because Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The gospel got to Rome. And Paul writes this letter to the Roman Christians. And Romans chapter 12 is, is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture because it's so hard. It's so challenging. 
but it's Jesus giving us a greater picture for what could be. So Romans chapter 12, verse 9, is where we're going to jump in. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to that Romans chapter 9, or chapter 12, verse 9, rather, and this is what Paul says to these Christians. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Did you know that in the first century there was plenty of evil around them? They were living in the world, but they were not of the world, just like we are today, surrounded by evil. We are in the world, but not of the world. Detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Did you know that in uh, plenty of churches, right? Maybe you grew up this way, uh, calling other people like, hey, brothers, brother Joe and sister Susie and whatever. Like, did you know why they say that? It's not just some like random church thing. It's because through Jesus, we are brought into the same family. We are adopted into the family of God. We are, through Jesus' blood, blood siblings. You see, what they understood in the first century and what we need to reignite in our own faith now is that when you surrender to Jesus, you're not only saved and, and, and given salvation for eternity, but you're given the opportunity to be a part of God's family today. So you have community because we are better together. Outdo one another in showing honor. Imagine if we did that. Outdo, like, like, it's a, like it's almost a little bit of a competition. Let's just outdo each other in showing each other honor. What would that look like? Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Maybe this week in your community group or at work or something. Like, just try and outdo everyone in showing honor. But don't, don't get a big head about it because he's also talking about humility in here. Okay, but do it out of love for people. Do not lack in diligence in, or do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Maybe there's a a memory verse for 2020. Maybe there's a recipe right here for us to thrive in the midst of this. Maybe it's right there. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Oh, man. We in America, we don't like this. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Can I just admit that's like one of the hardest things to ever do? For real? You ever been cursed to bless someone? Like, oh, bless you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Oh, so good. I bless you. Like, and actually mean it. <laughs> and, and like, imagine like in the moments where you've cursed someone, because like we've probably all done it, right? Uh, imagine if the person didn't respond in cursing, but they, in kind, but they responded like, oh, bless you. Like, wouldn't that be so frustrating? Because you're upset. You're like frustrated. And now you're even more frustrated. But then you're like, oh man, they are not the way I am. Why am I the way that I am? Right? Bless those who persecute you. Jesus said, "Don't." it's, it's not a big deal to love those who love you back. He said that uh, even the Gentiles, the pagans do that. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's, that's pretty cray. Cray cray. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who Weep. There's this togetherness that he's talking about. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's so hard. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, this is crazy. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, Do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Did you know? 
that God's wrath is so much better and so much more powerful and so much more just than your wrath is. He says, let, let, let God's vengeance, be, let him be the one who avenges you. Don't take matters into your own hands. Verse 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. If there's a, a, a chapter in scripture that I think is so good for us today, it's this. We need to be reminded that we are a different kind of people. We are God's family here on earth today. We get to be the ones who elevate love above all else. Because why? Because we worship the God who is love. Right? And so we follow him and we we sacrifice for others because that's what love is. What is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Right? Some for, some for real, like, please don't hurt me, you know. Um, what is love, though? What is love? He, he's talking about it right here. What is love? It's, it doesn't have hypocrisy in it. it. It detests evil. It clings to what is good. What is love? It, it looks like loving one another as brothers and sisters, outdoing one another in honor. What is, what is love? It's, it's do not, even, not lacking in diligence and zeal, but being fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. That's what love is. It's serving God above all else. What is love? It, it looks like rejoicing in hope, being patient in affliction, being persistent in prayer. What is love? It, it rejoices with those who rejoice and weeps with those who weep. What is, what is love? It's being present with others in the midst of their difficulties and in the midst of their victories and being able to share with them in that. What is love? looks like harmony. What is love? It doesn't look like being prideful. It looks like humility. What is love? It doesn't look like repaying anyone evil for evil, right? It looks like conquering evil with good. And what is good? It, love. Love is good. Do not avenge. What is love? It's saying, hey, you, that hurt me. But you know what? I'm not going to hurt you back. You know, it's true that hurt people hurt people. It's true. And for us as followers of Jesus who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, who have been brought into his family, we get to be a people who are set apart, different. See, the the first century church and the second century and the third and the, the early church, they committed themselves to Jesus in every realm of life, politically, socially, spiritually, physically, everything. And you know what? They made waves in the midst of a Roman empire that was against them. Let's just look at some of these uh, quotes from the early church, from the early church time, second, third, and fourth century. Let's look at some of these. Aristides, he said this, they, the Christians, they love one another. They do not overlook the widow and they save the orphan. He who ministers ungrudgingly to him who does not have. That was in the second century. Lucian, in the 2nd century, said, They, the Christians, they despise all worldly goods alike, regarding them merely as common property. Why? Because they decided to love people more than they loved their resources, so that they could use their resources as a way to love each other. Tertullian, in the 2nd and 3rd century, said this, So a great work of love burns a brand upon us in regard to some. So in other words, uh, our love is noticed. See, they say, see how they love one another. 
<laughs> get this. They are furious that we call each other brothers. So we who are united in mind and soul have no hesitation about sharing property. All things are common among us except our wives. <laughs> Thanks, Tertullian. I'm glad you specified. <laughs> glad we're not swinging in the church. That's good. <laughs> But why would it be frustrating to others if the church called each other brothers and sisters? Why would it be frustrating? Because human beings, we have a tendency to, depending on where we grew up, depending on what we know, uh, we have boxes, right? We have a box of people who are like this and we don't associate with them because they are like that. And we have a box of people who are like, it's okay to associate with these people. It's fine. It's good. But if you start to associate yourself with these people, that's not okay. Why? Because the, Christ, the, the Christian church was filled with people from all walks of life. Jews and Gentiles, pagans and the wealthy, or, or uh, not pagans, uh, People who are peasants and the wealthy. People who uh, were in the middle class and people who were in the lower class. People who saw themselves in this way and people who saw themselves in the complete opposite way. They were united together. Why? Because they were brought together into the same family and that family is the family of God and they were brought together by Jesus. And everything else that they had that could have made them not interact with each other if they didn't have Jesus as their common denominator, they were brought together unified because of that and so when the watching world when the roman empire said this is not how it ought to be you're not supposed to love these kinds of people because they are the way that they are they saw the church being the people of god who were loving each other despite their differences and they were frustrated by it this is uh, what the roman emperor uh, julian in the fourth century said i didn't put it up there but you can just take it all in this is what he said. He's not exactly a fan of these Christians. These impious Galileans, these Christians, not only feed their own poor, but ours also, welcoming them into their agape, the love feast. They attract them as children are attracted with cakes. Whilst the pagan priests neglect the poor, the hated Galileans devote themselves to works of charity and by a display of false compassion have established and given effect to their pernicious errors. See their love feast and their table spread for the indigent. Such practice is common among them and causes a contempt for our gods. So this emperor saw the Christians taking care of those who were less fortunate. And he saw that as an attack on the Roman gods. Why? Because they loved people without qualification. They loved people and they cared for them and they really did do it. And so the, the church in the early days was looked at and in many ways slandered against because of the way they loved one another celebrated by the way they loved one another and slandered by the way they loved one another. Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples, not by what's on your, uh, your religious affiliation on Facebook, not by how you answer the census, not by what you say on your Facebook account, not by what you post on Instagram, not by what you say to your coworkers or how you go about it, but by this, 
by how you love one another. Jesus said, the way that people out there will see that you are his disciples is by you, the way you love one another. So what that means is Jesus expects us in the church to love each other. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that hard? Why? Because behind every pain is a person. And sometimes people are hard to love. Amen. I mean, you ever thought like, God, why, 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 why do you want us for real? It'd be much less stressful in heaven if you didn't have us for real. Why? You ever looked in the mirror and like, really? This is what you died for? No. Okay. Well, I did. (laughs) And it's amazing because God loves us and he brought us together as a family because we are better together. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. And we also need each other to love one another, right? There's a way to be together and be better in the way that we are together. Because just because we're together doesn't mean we're actually doing it better. (laughs) But if we choose to love each other, then that means we're doing it better together. So here's what I want us to walk away with. Our greatest witness is our togetherness. Our greatest witness is our togetherness. When the world sees the church loving each other above their own preferences, above their own opinions, then the the world will see and be drawn closer to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But when the world sees us infighting and bickering and going at each other's throats and slandering each other, then the world will be drawn away from Jesus. Right? We are better together and we can do it Better. Why? Because he's given us the way. He's shown us the way. But in our world today, we have a tendency to revolve our lives around ourselves. Some of us, we never learned when we were kids that the world does not revolve around us, right? (laughs) Because the, the God of America, the God of the West, the God of the whole world is what? Self. Self. Self centered. Self concerned, looking out for our own interests, looking out for our own preferences, trying to get our own way in, the own, in our own way that we wanted to get done, right? We, we revolve around ourselves. And what did we talk about last week? That we, church, are Christ-centered. We, we, we lay down our preferences. We lay down our ideas. And we say, Jesus, what do you want? What do you, I know what I want in this moment. It's easy when I'm getting cursed by someone to curse them back. That's easy. It doesn't take much from me. It's just a reaction. It's very easy. And sometimes I'm pretty good at it. But that's not something to brag about. Why? Because that's easy road. Jesus has called us to the harder road. And that is to love people. <laughs> Even the ones who are difficult to love. Especially those. Because guess what? Just like they are difficult to love, so are you. So am I. And so we have to be reminded that we revolve around Christ. What he says goes. The way he says for us to go is the way we're going to go. And if he says that we should bless those who curse us, then let's do that. If he says let's outdo one another in showing each other honor, let's do that. If he says to love each other, then let's do that. If If he says to look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ because we've been bought by the blood of Jesus and been brought together by his blood and put into the family of God, let's look at each other in that way. Right? 
And let's believe that we truly are better together because that's what God's idea was. And so we have to choose to trust that he is actually doing what he says is right. And we can follow him in that. So 1 Corinthians 13, I want to roll over here just a little bit, a few pages over there. Um, And Paul says this to a different church, a church in Corinth. And he says this, what it takes, what what is love? What is love, right? And he's going to answer it again. He's going to answer it again. I'm sorry I can't sing. I wish I could. It would be so amazing. I would sing all the time in sermons. It would be so crazy. And y'all be like, just stop. Um, That's fine. (laughs) Something like you do it anyway, dude. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Just listen to this with fresh ears. Okay? It's not, it's not just, we're not at a wedding. We didn't just transport to a wedding. Think about this. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Church, we could have thousands of people on the stream today. We could have 17 services on a Sunday and Saturday and have hundreds and hundreds of people coming to our services. And if we choose not to love, we have nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Other translation says love never fails. Both are good. But as for the prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we we know in part right now, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when Jesus returns, the partial will come to an end. Watch this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will, fully, I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So church, what is maturity? What is Christian maturity? It's meaning we put away our own selfish things that so often creep in, and we choose to love people. Because love is sacrificial. Love is others-oriented. Love does not take into account our own self-centeredness. It takes into account, it drives us to take into account others and their concerns. I was having a conversation this week with uh, Kyrea, my oldest. And uh, we, were, we were working through this passage, or just, you know, Love never fails is the translation we read. Love never ends. Love never fails. And and I, we were talking about what that means. Like, what does it mean that love never fails? What does that mean? Well, it means that, like, in every circumstance, in every situation, if you choose love, you, you choose the, the, the path that would win, that would never fail. It's always a good idea. It's always the right choice to love. When people are rude to you, choose love. When people are despising you, 
Choose love. When someone is being rude to you, choose love. When someone is being slanderous to you, choose love. When someone curses you, choose love. When someone's being mean at school, choose love. Why? Because love never fails. And why does love never fail? Because love never fails because love is what drove God to come down and become Jesus incarnate. God the Son came down. Why? Because of love. Why did He go to the cross? Because of love. Why did He rise from the grave? Because He loves. Why? Because why did he ascend to heaven and send the Holy Spirit? Because of love. Why does love never fail? Because God is love and God never fails. Love never fails. It never ends. It's eternal because God is love. We are choosing to go about his way and his purposes and his posture. Why? Because that's exactly what we need to do. And so in my conversation with Kyrie, I was getting a little excited, not quite as excited as right now, because that would be weird, just me right there, and I'm like preaching at her, you know, it's like preacher's kid, I'll pray for them, okay? But uh, love never fails, it's always the right choice. And we were talking about like, hey, honey, like there's going to be times where in life where you have to do things that you don't want to do because you're choosing to love someone else. And she's like, why? Why do I have to? Why? why can't I just do what I want? You know, like, <laughs> I know. I know, kid. I'm sorry. But that's what love is. It's taking our own preferences and putting them to the side and choosing to love someone because it's what they need. Right? Sometimes love is hard. Actually, every time, love is harder. You know, Paul said, hey, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, act like a child. But when I became a man, I put all those things away. Fellas, you know what a man looks like? Someone who loves. That's, that's what Jesus said. That's what Paul's saying. That's what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. That, that it looks like, maturity looks like choosing love even when it's difficult. Because it's so much easier to not. It's so much easier to slander. It's so much easier to gossip. It's so much easier to go attack someone. But you know what? The high road is never the easiest path. You know what I'm saying? It's the path that's not fully trudged. It's a path that doesn't... You're not really sure exactly where the path is, but you're still trying to work through it. You get kind of muddy. You get kind of dirty. You get kind of grimy. But when you get to the top, you know what the high road leads to? A better view. A better view. And you know what the high road is? It's love. It's choosing to follow Jesus even when it's difficult, even when people are being brutal because hurt people hurt people. And there's a lot of hurting going on right now, right? And so we have to keep that in mind as we follow Jesus in our day and time. So togetherness, what does it look like? It looks like there's this thing. Um, we don't oftentimes do this in the 21st century church, but um, it's really good to do. You know, um, Scripture talks about how we can confess our sins to God, but it also says how we can confess our sins to each other. When's the last time you went to someone? Like, you went to God, but then you went to someone and confessed your sins. That's hard. That's humbling. But that's what togetherness looks like. When's the last time you said, you know, I'm going to go help this person because they need it? When's the last time you allowed someone, when you were in need, you allowed someone to help you? Because it goes both ways, right? We are better together, and if we are really going to be better together, better, then we have to step into that and be willing to love and be loved. And that means opening up our hearts to other people. And guess what? 
while oftentimes it's easier and a little bit less stressful without people in your life, it's never better. And so we step into that space where we open our hearts to other people. You know what that's going to do? It's going to give them the opportunity to hurt it, to hurt you deeply. But it's also going to give you the opportunity to love and be loved deeply. Like some of us, we have, we have barriers that have been there for so many years, so many decades, maybe since we were children, where we've not really worked through it, but we've got some barriers. We've got some walls that we've put up to try and avoid having pain. And I get it because I've done it too, and I've got to work really hard to break those walls down. And all of us probably have those things. So what is your barrier to loving others the way God's called you to love others? Like, what is the barrier? Is it, is it your time? Like, maybe some of us just got our, our lives are going cray-cray right now. Crazy. For those of you who don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's going crazy. Like, we've got so much going on. We don't even have time for people because we've got so much going on. Well, if we value togetherness, we'll make time for togetherness. I know it's hard. It's not that simple. But you work that out. Let, let the Holy Spirit guide you on what that looks like. But some of us, we have a barrier of... of past pain because behind every pain is a person and we've we've not really worked through that well we need to talk to somebody about it don't let it just stay inside talk to someone some of us we've got the what's what's in it for me itis you heard that what's minute what's in it for me itis you can't take tylenol and get rid of it it's it's pretty running rampant you know let me first off dietrich bonhoeffer said this about community the Christian community. He said, It is not the experience of Christian brotherhood, but solid and certain faith in brotherhood that holds us together. What does he mean by that? It means that when we step into community, Christ-centered community, we don't look at it and look to it in a way that we're asking the question, what's in it for me? What am I getting out of this? Was community group good? Well, the way you answer that if you're what's in it for me itis is, well, I, I was able to benefit from it in some tangible way. Like I felt something. But what scripture would teach us is that we have to trust that God knew what he was doing when he put us together as a family. And we don't come to community group or whatever kind of community that you're in well, associated with the church where you are uh, looking at it as a transaction. That's our problem. We look at things as transactional. Was the service good today? Well, the, the sermon was kind of, uh, so I didn't, it wasn't that good, you know, because I'm looking at it for what's in it for me. I'm looking at it as a transaction. When we are in community, the point is for us to do life together and to lift each other up, not for us to try and get something out of it, but for us to come and bring ourselves and offer ourselves to the group in love. And so often, we, we have a consumeristic mindset when it comes to church. We're like, well, I didn't like this, I didn't like that, or man, this community group, yeah, you know, like, yeah, they, they said this, or whatever. Like, what if we just looked at it and, and really were convi- convicted on the fact that we are better together, and we need to just be together, no matter if we vibe together or not, or if like we're kind of click or whatever. We need to be together because we are better together, and when we choose to love each other, then we're better together better, Right? Are you tracking with me? So I get some blank stares right now. And so what does this look like? It looks like first surrendering to Jesus 
and saying, Jesus, I revolve around you. My life is revolving around you. What you say goes. You are the king. Not anything else in this world. Not any other idea. Not any other opinion. Not anything else but you. You are my king. I'm, I'm con- conforming my whole life around you. That's the first step. So if you've not surrendered to Jesus, then I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like. If you're watching this stream and, and you've never surrendered to Jesus, then I encourage you to leave a comment and say, hey, I want, I'd like to talk to someone and we'll get in touch with you. Uh, you know, if you're here, then talk to me after service. Get in touch with us. And I'd love to walk you through what that looks like to surrender to Jesus and begin a journey where you are Christ-centered in everything. Like, it's a, it's a struggle. Like, all of us, we have a struggle, right? Even though we, some of us have been walking with Jesus for years and even decades, it's a struggle to kind of always say no to yourself and say yes to Him. That's an everyday, daily struggle. Amen? Anybody? Can I get a witness? <laughs> no one wants to admit it. That's fine. Okay. Uh, but, but beyond that, like, if you're in a community group right now, then what I would encourage you to do is commit more to it. Commit more to it. Because you can be in a community group and not be committed to it. You can like just be in there and like you don't say anything, you don't open up, you don't share your thoughts, you're not willing to pray. Like just get outside of your comfort zone, commit to it, allow God to work through it. And if you're not in a community group, then talk to us. We'd love to get you plugged in. Community groups just got started. And really all it is is, is a opportunity, a space for us to practice what all the one another's are in Scripture. Love one another. Serve one another through love. Bear each other's burdens. Like you can't one another someone if you're not around others. Right? So you got to be in community. And we are better together and we can do better together better if we choose love. So I encourage you, get in touch with us and we'd love to talk. Would you stand? We're going to pray and sing out to our awesome God. Father, thank you for being who you are, for seeing us as we are, knowing us inside and out, 100%, everything about us, you know us more than we know ourselves, and yet you decided to rescue us by your power, even though we didn't deserve it. God, would you help us to live in such a way where we take into account our shortcomings, we take into account your glory, your power, And we allow those things to invade our relationships where we choose to love others because you've called us to. Not because of what we'll receive from it. Not because of what we'll get out of it. But just because we are here to serve you. To love you and to love people in your name. God, would you help us as a church to be convicted, to be committed to each other. So that the watching world can see us and say, wow, look at what they have. That's amazing. They don't all agree on all the different things of life, but wow, they have love for each other. Help us be those people, your family, your sons and your daughters. God, help us to outdo one another in showing each other honor, to live peaceably, among everyone, as far as it depends on us. God, at the end of the day, we just ask for you, Holy Spirit, to have your way with us. Show us what it looks like to love each other, even when it's difficult. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.